Hi, this is Dr. Mike Chupp, and you are listening to CMDA Matters, the weekly podcast of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. It's really hard to believe that it's actually been seven months since Russia invaded Ukraine earlier this year. And so much has happened in our world since then. But it's important to remember that our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, including healthcare professionals, are still suffering. You might recall that back in March, the special interview we released talking about the situation on the ground in Europe and opportunities for us to support the Christian Medical Association of Ukraine. Many of our listeners support this effort to help us raise a generous amount, well above $180,000, to help with medical supplies, food, clothing, and shelter. Well, I've asked Dr. Peter Saunders, who is the executive director of the International Christian Medical and Dental Association, to join me this week to give us an update on the conditions in Ukraine with some recent changes that have taken place in that country. But before he joins us, I wanted to share a special interview that I heard done by our Vice President for Dental Ministries, Dr. Bill Griffin, on his podcast, CMDA's Dental Soundbites. He was joined by two dentists, Dr. John Pfefferly and Dr. Phil Aday. Their recent trip to Ukraine to provide dental care for orphans and refugees is the subject of Bill Griffin's interview with these gentlemen. Both of these men have been actively involved with CMDA's global health outreach for many years and are veteran missionary dentists. I think it's great to hear about CMDA members just like Dr. Pfefferly and Dr. Aday who are following God's call to go and serve the least of these especially those who are suffering in the midst of war and crisis. I invite you now to listen in to this recent conversation that Dr. Griffin had with both Dr. Pfefferly and Dr. Aday. For some time now, I've been wanting to create a podcast with you two, But what finally caused me to move forward was your dental mission trip earlier this year to the Ukraine, even as Russia was waging war against them. My first question is, which of you first came up with this idea? That would be me, Phil. Okay, gotcha. And and John, when, when Phil shared his idea with you, what were your first thoughts? I'd say, well, when do you want to leave? Well, that's tremendous. So eventually you two agreed to head to Ukraine. Phil, where did you go, and did you have any familiarity with the area? We went to a camp 10 kilometers south of the town of Ternopil, and I had served in that area the previous fall with this missionary. And John, what was your patient population like, and and what type of treatment were you able to provide? I was primarily treating the orphans, although some of the military people that were there doing extractions and Phil was doing incredible restorative work on both the military and the orphans. Mm. Now, how many of your patients spoke English and how many needed a translator? I would say of the orphans, probably 20% maybe had some language skills. We were very blessed to have interpreters with us the entire time who, uh, one young lady who interpreted for me is a professional translator. And she had actually worked with me the previous fall. Well, that's a great thing when you already know someone that's, that's going to be there. Were there others that you saw that you had seen on previous trips besides that one translator? 
Yeah, I met Vitaly in, in like, I think, 2015 in uh, Moldova. And so when we had our first GHO team in there, uh, we went, a lot of the volunteers that were there on that first GHO team and continued to be there were also part of his volunteer team at this facility that we were in. I am sure that they were very glad to see you back again. Were there opportunities to communicate with your patients regarding their spiritual interests? Yeah, uh, this was sort of a unique trip for me in that we lived with the population we were treating. We, mm-hmm. we ate breakfast with them, we ate lunch, played with them. Phil, did you have any good spiritual interactions with any of your patients there? Absolutely. Well, I remember one young man, he's probably 16 years old, he came and shared. I, we were able to treat him. He's one of the orphans there. Mm-hmm. And he brought his guitar uh, one evening and shared a song that he had written about the invasion. Mm-hmm. And then before I had a chance to ask him of his spiritual condition or spiritual matters, he shared with me that he, he is a believer. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> it was really interesting and really uh, fulfilling and gratifying to get to Uh, to meet another Christian brother and uh, fellowship with him and encourage him. That's one of the most amazing things about mission trips is you meet people from various areas uh, a long uh, distance away, different cultures, sometimes different language. But yet when you find that resonance in Christ, that that unity, it's just a a, a very special sort of a confirmation that the gospel is indeed for, for all the world. I'm interested to know what were the most difficult aspects of the trip for each of you? Phil, we'll let you go first. I think the most difficult aspect for me was dealing with the anxiety that some of my family members had because I was going. Hmm. How about for you, John? Well, obviously, being a pediatric dentist, I'm child-oriented, and I had a real difficult time wrapping my mind around what was the reality they were experiencing. And I learned of one of them that was in a bomb crater for two days, a child and two adults. Mm. And half the people in the, in the bomb crater were, uh, were killed. And, uh, you know, so you look at these children's eyes and you don't know the backstory and you don't know what's going on, but I have to imagine it's a um, very difficult place to be in. As you were flying back to the States, what thoughts went through your minds? As I flew back, I really pondered how incredibly blessed I was to be able to get to do this and serve in this way. Hmm. And I kept coming back to the question of when can I go back? How can I serve again? Hmm. And I know each of you do a, an awful lot of trips these days. Now that you're retired, although retired is probably not a good word for it, you've just been redirected. And I think it's even though it can be nice to come home to family and familiarity, there's that constant desire to repeat that service at some point in the future. Now, how about you, John? Did any particular thoughts come to your mind as you were flying back? You know, the most difficult time on a mission trip for me and I realized this probably 15 years ago, was when I'm on the airplane getting ready to fly home and we haven't made that final turn yet to go down the runway and all the why questions start coming. Hmm. You know, why was I born in the U.S., educated, had parents, and these didn't? Why this? Why that? And I try to connect those dots. And, Mm -hmm. you know, even GHO has that book about coming home and new normal and 
it's just nothing anybody can prepare you for. And just one day I finally says grace. That's what grace is. I God gave me that grace. And I have trouble with that at that moment when I'm leaving these countries. Mm-hmm. And you both take seriously the admonition in Scripture, to whom much is given, much is expected. And, and it seems like the natural, maybe I should call it the supernatural response to recognizing God's grace in our lives is to want to communicate that, that grace to others. And, and I so admire your desire to care for the dentally needy especially at such a high risk to your own well-being. And, and I praise God for the care you provided and the encouragement you gave to those that you met over there. Now, Phil and John, you two have been active in dental missions for several years, and each of you spent several years also in private practice. You've introduced others to the many blessings of caring for others internationally. Were there dentists in each of your lives who inspired you to reach out beyond our borders with the love of Christ. Well, I'd be totally remiss if I didn't bring up Bill Sasser's name. And mm-hmm. you'll remember Bill and CDS one yes. year. Uh, I nominated Bill for the Ron Lamb Award, and, and he received it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was cheerful when he got it because he always has time. And there, there are others, but Bill and I got a lot of respect for Gail Cheatwood, mm-hmm. and I've been on many teams with him. But then as you go along the way, like Phil and I, you know, we met, I don't know how many years ago, it was a long time. And those kind of relationships stimulate you and re-stimulate you and re-stimulate you. So, you know, I, I resigned, you know, it's all part of God's plan, obviously. And we just have to have the 2020 hearing to know what he's asking. You're, you're mentioning some great people that I think very highly of as well. And it's interesting how... I don't think anybody goes on mission trips to meet friends, but when you serve next to somebody, especially in difficult situations, at the end of that trip, you're, you're friends. You recognize that common calling and the common dependence on the Lord, and, and God's created some great friendships in my life in that way also. How about for you, Phil? Were there dentists along the way that inspired you to continue? Yeah, certainly. For me, it started in dental school. Way back then, CMDA was called CMS, Christian Medical Society. And we had a, a weekly Bible study. And one of the sponsors uh, whom we would meet in their home, his name is T-Bob Davis. Yes. Every fall, he would lead a group of students down to Matamoros, Mexico. And we would treat orphans down there as dental students under supervision of T-Bob and, and another dentist. And that sparked in me the realization that I could use my dental skills in ministry. Mm-hmm. From that point on, I was hooked. Went every year in dental school that he led a trip to Metamoris. And then as I started my career uh, in the Army and then in private practice, I started carving out time at least a couple of couple of trips a year to do overseas missions. Mm -hmm. I know a number of others who have done trips with T-Bob and speak of that as being a turning point and encouraging time in their lives as well. But now to go on all these trips over the years, you two had to also pay the bills. And (laughs) each of you were in private practice. How did you go about balancing the demands of your private practice responsibilities with your mission trips? Was it a certain number of trips per year? Or was it a more spontaneous decision process? How did you go about making those decisions? 
For me, I started out, got actually recruited by Dave Stevens to head up a dental team that he was leading to Honduras. Hmm. And that began part of my career with global health outreach. And in the early years of private practice, it was one trip a year. Mm -hmm. And then after probably five years, I added a second trip. And I, I really tried to be cautious because, you know, as a, in private practice, your overhead goes on whether you're in the office producing or not. Right. And tried to just be wise in expenditures in my personal life so that I did not become so encumbered financially that I couldn't afford to go on a mission trip. And I have to say every year that uh, I was in private practice, even when I expanded to do two trips a year and then three trips a year at the end of the year, my financial bottom line had always increased, even though I'd been out of the office more. That is God's grace. How about you, John? How did you go about balancing mission trips with your private practice work? Well, I don't think anyone's ever accused me of being all that balanced, but um, <laughs> well, actually what happened with me, I sort of, I took my staff on our first mission trip. We thought we were going to go to Maui for the year because we got all of our goals reached, but we've been treating Belarusian kids in the office through a program called Abro. And after a phone call, someone saying, we really think you should go. And I'm thinking, what's wrong with them? I decided to go and I presented to the staff, listen, we've already got the time marked off. If you want to go to Maui, go to Maui, but I'm going to Belarus. And, and they all said, we're going with you. And so it took me for two weeks. And yeah, in the back of my mind, overhead was kind of a question, a kind of a worry, mm -hmm. but I just didn't think through it. I just, it just would go. In the early years, it was one, you know, one team a year. It was almost always Belarus, but then we started going to Vietnam and taking staff. And so it's just, God just always took care of it. And uh, my faith wasn't all that great, even when he was taking care of it. So your staff had a decision between Maui and Belarus, and they chose Belarus. That, every, sounds, every to, that sounds to me like a spirit-led decision right there. And, and I'm sure that they got great satisfaction out of that and uh, being able to serve others in that process. Now, as you each head out on a typical mission trip, there are certainly logistical concerns regarding supplies, equipment, and the like. But what's going on in your heads? How do you seek to cultivate the right attitude prior to the start of the, the treatment on the trip? Well, for me, it probably starts with prayer. And a lot of times my prayer is conversational. Mm -hmm. And especially if it's going to a place I've never been before and it might be a hot item or a hot place in the world. You know, I ask for guidance in Psalm 139. I think the last couple of verses are search my heart and, you know, make sure I'm going for the right reason. So I just a lot of and talking with other people, but I learned to, I guess at that point, surrender hmm. that it's going to be what it's going to be and it will be good. Yes, I think that's good advice. And that that surrendering empowers us in a way it, it, that acknowledgement that we're totally dependent on God for the success of this trip, even for our own safety. That's a that's a freeing thing, as, as strange as that might sound to some. Phil, how about you? Any particular ways that you sought to get your head right as trips were about to begin? Well, I start months in advance when I've got a trip calendared and start building a team as a team leader. I start communicating with the team 
and coordinating. When I was in private practice, uh, my office manager would always print up a, a packing list for me to make sure that I took the key elements that I needed to do the dentistry. Mm -hmm. And then as we approached, oh, a month and a half before the travel date, I would start sending out updates to my team, praying for them by name, mm -hmm. sending out devotions, praying about the, the upcoming ministry that God would provide what we like to call divine appointments for us as we serve. Several years ago, GHO began encouraging teams to do a time of prayer and fasting. And I've done that a couple of times with my teams where we set aside a, a some usually about a 21 day period where team members can sign up and on a specific day, they pray and fast for the upcoming mission and everybody on the team knows that they are participating in a fast that day and lift that particular team member up in prayer. Yes, I can see how something like that would not only cultivate a person's relationship with the Lord as they prepare for the trip, but create a degree of unity within that team, many of whom might not have even met each other yet. But then when you finally met, you realize that you've already been on mission in terms of preparing for, for what God might have for you during, during that time. Exactly. Now, with all of your combined dental mission trips and the various experiences that you've had, what have you each learned on the mission field that helps you walk more closely with Christ back here in the States? John? You know, we get a game face on, we get all prayed up and ready to go on these teams and we're ready for the folks we're going to see. And we're pretty good with that while we're there. But it's keeping that game face on when you come back. Mm -hmm. You know, the people with, that we treat, the refugees, the human trafficking victims, whatever, they know there's no way to no way up to go up except God. And they're there and they understand. When we get home, we have a lot of friends that, the only way up is through God, but they haven't realized that yes. yet. Mm -hmm. And I think it's being sensitive to that and being patient to that, how we can continue what we do outside the United States, inside the United States. And we know our own hometown and our own home sometimes is the most difficult mission. Field. How about you, Phil? Anything in particular come to mind that you've picked up on over your years of trips? I would echo what John has just said. Sometimes it seems easier for me to get geared up and serve overseas and share the gospel openly. But when I come home, I realize there's a mission field right outside my door here in the United States. They may not have as many dental needs, perhaps. Sometimes they do, mm -hmm. but that I need to be just as intentional when I'm home in sharing the gospel and living out the Great Commission as I am when I go overseas. What a great God we have that not only allows us to serve him around the world and proclaim his love to many others through dentistry, but also teaches us through those experiences how we can better serve him back in the States. He puts things together in a way that we, we never could. Well, I very much appreciate you both being willing to share about your experiences, not just in Ukraine, but also on other trips and, and how the Lord has worked through you. and. And I look forward to seeing what the future might bring and, 
and how he will continue to allow you, hopefully for many more years, to represent Christ and show his love to others that need dental treatment. So thank you both and God bless you. Thank you, Bill. I'm the same to you. Thanks very much. I really want to thank Dr. Bill Griffin for allowing this particular interview to cross over and be used with us here on CMDA Matters. Dental Soundbites is only one of numerous resources available for our dental members through CMDA Dental Ministries. That ministry focuses on encouraging and supporting dental professionals as well as their students as they strive to integrate their Christian faith into all aspects of their lives. You can listen to Dental Soundbites, which comes out once a month, and find other resources at cmda.org dentist. How incredibly inspiring, I think, it is to hear the testimonies from John and Phil about their recent trip to Ukraine and how the Lord gave them the opportunity to use their skills to care for displaced as well as homeless refugees. And it's clear that the Lord opened just the right doors at the right time for them to share the love of Christ with their patients as well. There's no question that both John and Phil were able to utilize the skills they gained during GHO trips to help them be the hands and the feet of Christ to their patients there in Ukraine. I hope that hearing from them encouraged you to pray about joining an upcoming GHO trip. GHO sends teams around the world to countries like El Salvador, East Africa, India, the Pacific, Central Asia, Nicaragua, the Middle East, and many other countries. Through these trips, we disciple participants, we grow national churches, we get to share the gospel and provide care to the poor as well as the needy. Our teams minister in outpatient primary care medicine and dentistry, and in small as well as large hospitals to provide surgical services. If you are a healthcare professional or student, an undergraduate student, or just interested in using the skills and resources that the Lord has entrusted to you, just go to cmda.org gho and you'll learn more. And maybe God will show you a trip that can work in your schedule that he wants you to join. If you want more information about the relief efforts in Ukraine, then just check out the recent article from the summer 2022 edition of CMDA Today, our quarterly magazine written by Dr. Jim Peepon, who was one of the guests on a past CMDA Matters earlier this year about that crisis, the conflict in Ukraine. You can find that article by going to cmda.org slash cmda today, or you can find the link in our show notes. We'll also include the link to that previous episode of the podcast in our show notes today. I mentioned earlier that I invited Dr. Peter Saunders, the CEO of ICMDA, to join me this week. So before we conclude this podcast, I'd like you to hear directly from him in a recent interview that I did with an update on ongoing war relief efforts in that nation.
Well, today on CMDA Matters, I have a returning guest, Dr. Peter Saunders, who's the Chief Executive Officer of the International Christian Medical and Dental Associations. Thank you for joining us on CMDA Matters. It's a one of the partnerships that you told us about today as one of our plenary speakers was a cooperative with a rather young, fledgling Ukrainian medical association in the middle of their crisis. Uh, talk to us a little bit about how that got started and what's happened since February, March, when the conflict began. I was in a, a discipleship training group with a number of Russian speakers on the evening of the 24th of February when the war started. And that included uh, a medical student from Nigeria who was studying in Kharkiv in the east of Ukraine who joined us on his mobile phone from a bomb shelter. And we had a, a prayer meeting after that uh, with European CMDA members from different countries and decided the next day to launch an appeal to see what we could do. And we raised over half a million dollars over the first two months or so. A lot of that was thanks to members of CMDA US. Who over $180,000. Yeah, who gave incredibly generously to that. And we didn't quite know how much we'd raise or what we'd do with it. We just knew we had to do something. And it's been an extraordinary story of God opening doors of opportunity. Our first plan was to get uh, to support uh, huge numbers of international medical students who were evacuating from from Ukraine and flying flying back and then to resource other neighboring CMDAs in the surrounding countries places like Poland and Hungary and Romania who were dealing with a huge influx of refugees many with with medical needs and not necessarily trauma but chronic medical conditions, mm -hmm. unable to have treatment and so on. But our main focus has been to resource the Christian Medical Association of Ukraine, which is a, a relatively small and young group, just a few hundred, led by a man in his mid-twenties. A neurology resident, yeah, right? Yeah, just a couple of years out from medical school, R Rudy Magovich. And he suddenly found himself right in the middle of the, the perfect storm of this of this war. and But he stood his ground and decided he had to do something. And, and God provided a warehouse for them in Lviv in the west of Ukraine. They didn't know how much time they had and how, how long the door would stay open for them. But they began communicating with, with friends and partners abroad and people started to send stuff in. And we managed to establish a supply line through Lublin, which is a town in the, the east of Poland, mm -hmm. uh, with an organization called Christians for Ukraine, who had some warehouses and trucks and for years had been running trucks across the border into Ukraine. So they had all the relationships, the expertise, the how to get through customs, knew exactly what to do. And they had real capacity to move drugs, medical supplies and equipment as well. So we started off, this money was pouring in, and, and we started off going to our mission suppliers, the people we know who already supply mission hospitals all around the world and had the expertise to know just how to get the right stuff at the best possible prices. And so we were purchasing things off them. So, you know, the obvious bandages and, and uh, external fixators for orthopedic injuries and appropriate drugs and splints and all, all, all trauma-related stuff. And we we started purchasing that, sending it in. Then we established a relationship with the International Dispensary Association in the Netherlands, who supply mission hospitals all over the world to 
to get drugs, and that was a few weeks negotiation, but then we were on board with them. And another another group called uh, Food Services Worldwide who could get medical equipment very cheaply from the Far East and, and fly it in, in in bulk. And we were we were given a warehouse in the in the centre of the UK to gather material from NHS hospitals. And uh, through a connection at our church, we're put in touch with a, a logistics expert who had 20 companies and seemed to know everyone with a truck and a warehouse in the UK. And he said, look, you, you need all the space you need, all the transport you need, we can help you provide it. And so we started off buying stuff. And then as time went on, God seemed to open a whole host of other doors into partnerships and into places where we were starting to be given stuff mm -hmm. for very low cost at all, just handling charges. And I'm, I'm assuming that Rudy has grown quite a bit through this process, having had no experience whatsoever in setting up a campaign like this. Absolutely extraordinary. And I, I think he's managed to gather a really good team around himself. So they started off with a group of volunteers, other members of the Christian Medical Association. And uh, he, he is a guy who recognizes his real skills in the areas where he's not as strong. And he brought people on to, to compliment him. One of his favorite expressions is it's just running like clockwork. He said, you know, <laughs> you, you talk to him and, and he, he was just amazed at how smooth the whole operation was, how, how more and more stuff was coming in. And amazingly, they were nimble enough to get it out to, as it turned out, over 200 destinations within Ukraine. In the Far East, where the war was, in the South, uh, hospitals, churches, paramilitary workers on the front line, they could supply them all. And, and they could move with an agility that often the, the big aid agencies and couldn't because they didn't have the relationships. The, the Ukrainian government uh, came alongside and, and supported that we will support these efforts that were coming from the Ukrainian CMDA. Yeah, the Ministry of Health of Ukraine uh, wrote to them and commissioned them to be able to help and gave them a list of exactly the kind of things that they wanted. So we were working right from the beginning with a list of items that we knew were really going to make a difference. And so that helped us to be able to say no to many well-meaning folk who were wanting to give stuff that really wasn't high priority and to focus on that that was really important. You, you could imagine that there were a lot of people wanting to help who thought, well, what do we have? Well, the thing we have a huge amount of is PPE from the COVID crisis. Yes. So here's a wonderful opportunity to offload gowns and, and sanitizer and all that sort of stuff. And of course, they didn't need that at all, pretty much. So we, we learned very early on to say, uh, you know, no to what wasn't helpful, yes to what was helpful. And we're pretty confident that pretty much everything we sent reached a destination where it could be useful in Ukraine. Well, 2020 certainly didn't turn out the way you expected it because None. of COVID and 2022 has not turned out at all the way that you expected either because of Ukraine. There's another leader here at the conference here in Orlando who shared with me, I think she's from ABWE, been doing a fair amount of ministry for a number of years in Ukraine. And she mentioned to me that the war has changed the perspective of the Ukrainian Ministry of Health in terms of how healthcare is going to be done for the future. And that might be one of the silver linings to all of this. 
the receptiveness of Ukraine to outside help like you are offering through ICMDA. What's your take on that? Well, we have to remember that God is sovereign. And, and when we, we look out on the world and it seems that everything's going bad, he's still in control and he's working out his purposes. And we may not see it at the time, but he will find a way and, and he'll use it to grow his church and advance his kingdom and to bring channels of blessing. And I think that's what we're seeing that in the middle of all of this, what, what it's done is it's brought so many people together, both Christian and non-Christian, wanting to make a difference. And through that have, have built up very significant relationships between people in Ukraine and the outside world, and, and particularly between the Christian organizations in Ukraine and, and the government. They're very highly regarded now. And uh, Miriam Wheeler, who you're talking about, who's served in Ukraine for, for 20 years and speaks the language and knows everything really well, has been doing a wonderful job with ABWE, and, and we've been working in partnership with her and with others. And I, I think None of us really expected the outcome that we've got now. We didn't expect six months later that we'd be have, have a, a battle line in the east and the south of Ukraine that's not really moving mm -hmm. and that most of the country would still be relatively safe and that we'd still be able to build the capacity. And, and I think what is happening, uh, not just in the health system, but in other areas of the country, is that there's been a real opportunity to strengthen uh, what remains there, which is a lot and to start to build a foundation for the future. And you can imagine that people in Ukraine, are very much the conversation is about, you know, what comes next. And, and there's a focus very much we're hearing from Christian groups about building a strong foundation for the future and developing the country once the war ends. We don't know when that is going to be, by God's grace, but there's still a real opportunity to make a big difference there. Peter, thank you for your vision. And uh, someone asked me the other day about you, and I said, there's no one who has more global vision in uh, reaching the nations for Christ through healthcare professionals than Dr. Peter Saunders. So thank you for joining us on CMDA Matters. It's been a pleasure. I don't know about you, but I have been so inspired by the group of Ukrainian healthcare professionals who continue to serve in the midst of danger and insecurity, their fellow Ukrainians. Let's keep praying for them on a regular basis. Let's pray for the Christian Medical Association of Ukraine as they serve with the hands and feet of Christ in that nation. Well, as we come to the close, I want to encourage you to come back with us next week as my special guest was just here recently, Dr. Isam Rod, who's the head of infectious disease at MD Anderson in Houston, Texas. And we will be talking briefly about monkeypox and uh, some insights that I think you'll find quite interesting from a Christian ID perspective. As always, if you want to suggest a future guest for the podcast, you can email us at cmdamatters at cmda.org. If you like our podcast, please be sure to give us a five-star rating and share us on one of your favorite social media platforms. I want to share this statement from the president of the Christian Medical Association in Ukraine when he was asked why so many volunteers were willingly traveling to dangerous places in Ukraine to help refugees. And he said, our team is made up of all volunteers. They are not paid and do not want to be paid anything. 
They do their work for the love of God, the love of their churches, and the love of their people. What an inspiring and amazing statement that speaks to the courageous work of Christian healthcare professionals in the midst of this ongoing war. We do our work for the love of God, as well as the love of His people in His name. And as we do so, we bring the hope and healing of Christ to the world. That's what always matters to CMDA, and CMDA matters. We'll see you next week, friends, God willing. This podcast has been a production of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. The opinions expressed by guests on this podcast are not necessarily endorsed by the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. CMDA is a nonpartisan organization that does not endorse political parties or candidates for public office. The views expressed on this podcast reflect judgments regarding principles and values held by CMDA and its members and are not intended to imply endorsement of any political party or candidate.